having those photographs doesn't document death. It captures love. It documents David's existence, that he existed. He was stillborn. He never received a birth certificate, but he existed. He lived. He lived inside of me. And so for the parents who lose a baby, whether they're stillborn or they die shortly after birth, a lot of times people don't fully understand the magnitude, but these photographs absolutely show like this baby was real. This baby was mine. He had dark curly hair, chubby cheeks, and those photographs will always be my most treasured possession. Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, and I've been a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called Undefeated. I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox, but rather an army of normal folks, us, just you and me deciding, hey, I can help. That's what Gina Harris, the voice we just heard, has done. Incredibly, Gina was the beneficiary of the nonprofit that she's now the CEO of. Now I lay me down to sleep's 1,700 volunteer photographers have given free portrait sessions to 70,000 families who've sadly lost their children to stillbirths or soon after their births, and they desire remembrance photography with their children that they can cherish forever. While Gina has an extraordinary story as you're about to hear, the real reason she wanted to come on is to pay tribute to their own army of normal folks, these 1,700 volunteer photographers, their stories right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
way. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Gina Harris, hello. Welcome to Memphis. Hi, thank you for having me. Um... So you're a sixth generation, Colorado, 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 Colorado. Yes. You're from Colorado. No oh, with Colorado. Got it. Sixth generation. Sixth generation. Yes. If you do the math, that's like 130 or 140 years. Mm-hmm. Your people went out there on wagons. I think they did. My mom. It's my mom's dad's side of the family. They probably went out there for gold, but I'm sure they came up shorthanded because. Because I didn't inherit anything. <laughs> because nobody lived in a mansion anywhere. Huh? No, no. <laughs> well, how are you uh, from Colorado in 140 years and get lost on the airport? <laughs> I don't know why. Well, sometimes I go the toll road, sometimes I don't. But it was this morning during traffic and I didn't go the toll road. So I turned around and went back on it. I oh. did get lost going to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We were visiting before we got started and um the the trip here was tough but denver built that airport like 1700 miles away from city it's center. in kansas yeah it's mm-hmm. ridiculous yeah. i mean it's <laughs> way out there and and it still is even though denver's grown just yeah denver's blown now. up yes. right yeah but it still hadn't gotten that far uh, yeah it's a long drive right so it's in kansas yeah tell me about you where where uh where did you grow up in denver I grew up in Arvada. It's a suburb of Denver. Yeah. And I grew up in Arvada. I live in Littleton now. And I went to Colorado State University in Fort Collins. Rams? Yes. Yeah. Good. That's right. The red, green and white, I think. A green and gold. Green and gold. Mm-hmm. That was close. Mm-hmm. And siblings? Yes. I have uh, two older sisters and a younger sister. So four of you. What mm-hmm. mom do? What dad do? My dad was a manager at Safeway. Yeah. Yeah, grocery store manager. My mom stayed at home. She cleaned houses too and did some odd jobs while we were growing up. And um, what was important to your parents growing up? What was their ethos? What, what, what mattered to them? Uh, definitely faith. Uh, faith was a very, very strong part. We went to church every week, and my dad was a reader and an usher and uh, very involved. He taught confirmation. and um, He he taught confirmation class? He did. He oh, did. that's cool. I grew did up, he teach you in your confirmation class? No. Um, no. So that's a whole other story with my dad that maybe you don't know. Uh, when I was 13 years old, 
Uh, he was only 39, and he died of a brain aneurysm. Oh, that's he went terrible. to work and and died of a brain aneurysm. How old? And you were 13. I was 13. And yes. your kids were? I mean, your siblings were how old? My younger sister was just a year younger, and then my two older sisters. They were already out of the house. My my mom was married prior to my dad, and my dad adopted my two older sisters. So they guy. were they were already, I think, eighteen and probably twenty two. How did your mom handle that? Uh, that was extremely difficult, and um, definitely changed our journey significantly. My mom suddenly had to be mom and dad, and. Yeah. It was uh, my younger sister and I, we we just very, felt very much on our own a lot of times. So my mom did the very best she could, but um, it did, it was very devastating. My dad was the love of her life and still is. And uh, their anniversary uh, would have been a few weeks ago, actually. And she posted on social media about him being the love of her life. And um, so that very much impacted her and my sisters and me for sure. Um, my dad was my hero and, um, still to this day, the person I most look up to. That is, that is phenomenal. And that was so many years ago and so sudden, Mm -hmm. um, as we get into your story deeper, that revelation is actually maybe even more impactful as I think about your story and your journey. Um, so that happened 13, you were eighth, ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Then you went on, finished school and went to Colorado state, I Mm -hmm. guess. Yes. What'd you, and what'd you major in? I have a broadcast journalism degree. A newswoman? Like Mm -hmm. a reporter? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) That's cool. Did you do that? A little bit, but I just really felt the Lord calling me into nonprofit work. And I also wanted to coach cheerleading. So did you cheer in high school and college? I too? did. I did in high school, and then in college, I needed to work and yeah, I got to it. pay for everything. And so I started coaching at a high school. I met some girls on a cheer team, and they said, "Will you come help us? Our coach doesn't know what she's doing." And <laughs> I went and helped. So when they asked me to come help coach, I thought this would be a great way for me to still be involved in cheerleading because I always say that God gave me cheerleading. I found cheerleading after my dad died. It made you happy. It did. It was was a place, it an escape? Was it what? Was cheerleading an escape? Was it I a- think it was, but it was also healing. Because you can't just jump into something as an escape but then not heal from whatever traumas that you've gone through. And no, that's so, true. That makes sense. Yeah, but it was a place I could go and forget about everything mm. because after losing my dad and the impact it had on my family, uh, and, and you asked about my mom, my mom, my sisters, I just wanted to go somewhere where I could forget everything. And I made the team the first year because I smiled and that was it. (laughs) I didn't really have any talent, but I ended up being an all American cheerleader in high school. No kidding. Yes. That's very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And then being able to go and coach, it would be a way to give back. But I started coaching my freshman year of college and it was right after something else very traumatic happened in my family. My older sister, my second to the oldest sister, Christine, she was murdered by her husband while her children were in the home. 
Oh my gosh. How old was Christine? Uh, she was in her early 20s. She was 24. So we're talking five or six years after losing your father? Correct. Mm-hmm. So your father unexpectedly passes with mm-hmm. an aneurysm. Yes. And then six years later, you lose your sister to a, a murder? Yes. How? I got to ask you something. I know this is your story, but how in the world did that affect your mom? Oh, it affected the rest of her life. It affects her today still. Have you ever heard of the um, of the Holmes Ray scale? No. So one of I I read far too much, but the Holmes Ray scale was something that was put together, I think, in the seventies, maybe the late sixties, by some prominent psychologists who were just getting into understanding the effect of mental stress on actual physical health. Prior to that, there was mental health and physical health, but nobody connected the dots between mental health and physical health and how true mental health and trauma could actually make someone physically ill. Today, we take it for granted because we understand that that's a real thing. But back in the 60s, they were just on the advent of trying to understand it. And these two guys, Holmes and Ray, put together a stress scale. And it starts with death of a spouse goes through divorce, marital separation, and the scale all the way goes down to a minor violation of a law. Ironically, and I mean, like a major holiday, having family over is apparently on the stress scale, which if you got a family, you know what that's like. But the, the, the each of those stressors have a point total. And if you add up those point totals and they are greater than a particular number, you were considered high stress, high stress, and at risk of severe health problems. Mm-hmm. And when reading your story before just now, I only knew about what we're going to talk about later. I had no idea about the stressors prior that we've just learned about your dad and your sister. And um, frankly, your chart is—I mean. You should walk with a limp or something. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, you and your family have been through, have been through it. Mm-hmm. And your, I have to ask your, um, your sister's uh, husband, how many children did they have? Well, it was her second husband. So the children were the kids of her first husband. How, how many? And so there were three. There were three children three. in the home. How they old were, were they? The they were two, three, and five years old. What? What did? Was he drunk he, or bipolar? No, or? no, he bought a life insurance policy on her, and they had only been married six months. So he strangled her to death, and he tried to stage it that somebody had broken into into the home and done it, but his lies didn't add up. And so right away they arrested him and he was convicted of first degree murder and he was given life with the possibility of parole. And this happened out in Las Vegas. And so, um, at that time you only needed to serve 10 years before you're eligible for parole. 
and he ended up serving just shy of 24 years, not even the amount of years my sister lived, and they let him out. Wow. Wow. So, um, who took the children? They ended up going with their biological father. And so we've kept in touch and I'm in touch they're with them your still. And my niece and my nephews and they're in their thirties and, um, you know, doing the best they can right now. Do they still struggle with all of it? Yes. Because he got out of jail, I guess that doesn't give them, that has to be that, that's part of it, but I think, you know, losing your mother in such a traumatic way um, at such a young age. I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't want to speak for them right now, but obviously with anyone that's going to have a significant impact on, on your life. And so this happened your freshman year? This was my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you, I, I, I mean, that had to have screwed up everything for you all over again. I mean, school, your mother, your family, mm-hmm. trying to find your place in the world and happiness, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely affected me. And um, I think it's just more of the trauma of when my dad died, he was fine. He went to work. It was a Saturday. And we got a phone call that afternoon to come to the hospital. He was at work? He was at work, yeah. Uh, He had come home for lunch. And so I was supposed to go somewhere with my friends that day, but I didn't for whatever reason. So we were able to have lunch with him. And uh, I just remember those last moments with him. And then a few hours later, we received a phone call to come to the hospital. And uh, when we got there, uh, we weren't able to see him right away. But then a priest came out and my mom had gone in and then a priest came out and told my younger sister and me that he had died. And then my mom came up to my dorm and I wasn't expecting her. And she knocked on the door and this was before anyone really had cell phones or anything. She knocked on my door and I opened it and I knew something was really wrong by the look on her face. And she told me what had happened. To Christine. Yes. How... I mean, at this time, you're, I guess, 19? Yes. I just turned 19 a week before, the week before. So she died on November 18th, and my birthday is November 12th. And my sister left me a message, and I still have it because it was one of those old voice recorders with the tape. And uh, she was really happy. She said um, she was going to be doing what she always wanted to do. She told me she was able to quit her job. Her husband was going to work more hours so she could stay at home with her kids and that she was already volunteering at her son's kindergarten class. And that's the last conversation. I ended up talking to her too, but that's the last I talked to her just a week before. And um, yeah, so to have the shock too um, is part of the trauma that everything's fine and then it's just your world just changes. How, how did how, that's more than most people have to deal with in a lifetime, much less a 19 year old kid. How, how did, how did, how do you deal with that horror? How did you particularly, now I'm not saying how does one, I'm saying specifically, how did, where did you find the strength to deal with that horror? Gina's answer to that 
right after the break. But first, I hope you consider signing up to join the Army at normalfolks.us. Guys, I honestly believe this Army can change our country. By signing up, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter that has short episode summaries. And in case you prefer reading about the Army members we're celebrating each week, as well as fun and exciting updates about our movement. We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Well, when I was, when I lost my dad, I knew I always wanted to make him proud. And so I was very focused and determined and motivated to be the best I could be at whatever I was attempting. And I wasn't a straight A student, lots of A's, lots of B's. Um, but everything that I did, I just, I was always wanting to make my dad proud. And my sister, th- this particular sister, Christine, she's the one that I always talk to her about like boyfriend problems or whatever. She was five years older. So she was like the perfect person to talk to. She was a real love, like uh, big quote, big sister. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just very, um, just free spirited. And I always say that I can still hear her laughter 
like right now, 30 years later, I can still hear her laughing. And so um, I'm trying to think where I was going. What was the question? <laughs> it's That's fair when you're reminiscent about something so painful. How do you deal oh, with how it? How did I deal with it? My Throughout high school, I sort of had faith. And when I lost my sister, I didn't really... You know, I knew who God was, but I wasn't really going to church or anything. And I was just living my life, trying to do the best I could. And I thought back, when was I the happiest? And uh, after my dad had died, my mom, uh, a whole host of things happened. But then my mom sent my younger sister, me, to a Christian school. And late in college, when I was almost graduating, I just thought, when did I feel the happiest? When did I feel the best? And I thought back to that time. It was shortly after I'd lost my dad. And um, I'm like, I'm just going to try some different churches. And I started doing that. And I just thought about a lot of the bad things that I had done that I felt bad about or guilty about. And I knew that um, I needed God's forgiveness. And I thought, how can God forgive me for all the things I've done? And I thought about... um, I thought about the murder of my sister and I knew that I needed to release the bitterness and the anger. And so I just arrived at a place that I need to just forgive him. Not that I would tell him that or have a conversation, but I needed to forgive. And then that's when I really felt um, God's forgiveness of me and um, what the Lord has done for me. And so um, since that time, you know, my faith has been fairly strong. It's just, it's been up and down too. <laughs> um, but everybody's. Yeah. Yeah. You have just, it's just like a relationship with Jesus is just the same as you would have with your spouse. Not the same, but, or with your sibling that, you know, you, you it's, it's going and great down. and sometimes it's not, but you still, there's still that love there. And um, that's really what's, what's gotten me through. But even when I didn't even know or acknowledge that God was there, I just, I remember a year ago I was on a run and, um, God distinctly told me, he said, Gina, I've, I've been with you that your whole life, but especially when dad died, I have been with you and just helping me through everything. That's pretty phenomenal. Um, with regard to, uh, you're talking about Christine's ex-husband slash murder. Um, I don't know how it works, but I do believe there's a difference in forgiveness and a pardon. Mm-hmm. And I think it is incumbent upon us to forgive, but that does not mean you're pardoned from your evil. Correct. And I, I really had researched forgiveness and dang, forgiveness keeps coming up in my life. Other people I have to forgive. But <laughs> that it just makes, mean that just makes you normal. You know yeah. that, right? Everybody yeah. <laughs> deals with that for sure. Yeah. But it's, yeah, forgiveness doesn't mean it excuses what they did or right. the hurt that um, you experience and that I still experience. Today. In my, in my book, there's actually a chapter on forgiveness, an entire mm-hmm. chapter I wrote on it. And it's, it's 
it speaks about grace. And um, um, one of the things that I believe with everything I am, and I say it in the, in the book, is that um, forgiveness is actually more important for the forgiver than the forgiven. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I think when people get their arms around that, they will understand that that forgiving for, for forgiveness is hardest for the people who do the most egregious things, but it's also most important for you to forgive those that do the most egregious things so you can just move on. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you pardon it. It just means you forgive it and you understand that whatever that person's done is between his and his God, but between you and your God, you're good. That's right. Well, and he was eligible for parole after 10 years. And so even though I'd had that forgiveness, my family and I, we went and talked to the parole board. And we did that multiple times every three years until 2017. So, um, and then they released him. But that's exactly right. You can forgive, but there's also consequences for actions as well. And we knew at some point, they would release him. We were surprised when they did, but we knew it would happen. Well, Gina, at the ripe old age of 19, you're a freshman <laughs> in college. You've lost your father. Your sister's been murdered. Yeah. And you still got to graduate. You do. And you do you do the broadcast journalism thing? Uh, I did. In college, I did a little. Yeah. But I, right before I graduated, because I went through December of that year, that summer before I graduated, Fort Collins had a huge flood. And the flood wiped out the entire student center of, not the bottom level of the student center at, at Colorado State. And it destroyed our whole TV studio with all of our tapes. I mean, nothing's digital back So in, now you have nothing to show Back in 1997, anybody. nothing is digital. <laughs> and I'm sure that flood meant a lot to a lot of different people, but for me... I was already going in a direction of, do I want to do this? Because if you're going into TV news, that's going to be your life. You drop everything. It's the latest story. And so I, um, all my tapes are gone and we didn't have a studio to even record anything new. I had a semester left of college. So you have no, you have no real, any, that's your resume. It, It is. So, and even what we kind of rebuilt of the station, like I remember one of the Denver TV stations donated all the equipment and we just, at that point, I'm like, okay, Lord, you just sent me on a new direction in my life. <laughs> Which was? Which was, um, I had been competing in the Miss Colorado, which goes on to Miss America system. Really? I had been. And, uh, okay, let me get my years right. So the year I was going to graduate from college, I was the first runner up to Miss Colorado. Really? I was. That's cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And What then- was your talent? I sang and then I danced, so I've done both. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, the talent always got me. I did well in the interviews. So uh, after I graduated from college in December of 97, the board of directors of the pageant terminated the contract of the Miss Colorado, who had won that year, and asked me if I would fill in, because that's what the first runner-up does. And I was praying about it because in six months, I was going to get ready to compete for Miss Colorado again, being the first runner-up. I thought I had a shot. Why not? 
But I thought, Lord, of all the <laughs> of all the people, all the years I get first runner up, this is the year this happens. And I ended up taking on the title of Miss Colorado. And I honestly You did, you won. Well, no, I didn't win. I, I filled in because they fired Miss Colorado. What did Miss Colorado do? Nothing immoral or indecent, just not abiding by the the contract. All right. So, so because you're runner up, you get the thing. I did. But then she decided to sue and get the title back. <laughs> she didn't want want to give back the crown, the car, the money. And this is so long ago now. But um, so it went to a judge before in arbitration. And during that time, I'm serving as Miss Colorado. And this was on Dateline, People Magazine. Like I'm in the Frank Sinatra edition the year he passed away wow. of People Magazine. So it's in all of these media stories. And she's trying to get the title back. And when people ask me about it, I just said, I, I'll talk about my platform, Domestic Violence Awareness. And so uh, two weeks before I'm supposed to crown the new Miss Colorado, the judge made a decision that I'm no longer Miss Colorado. And the woman who won is the rightful Miss Colorado. So I went to a press conference and they were expecting me to say, well, I'm going to sue. I'm getting the title back. Nah. And when I was driving to Denver for this, I thought I already served as Miss Colorado. I did what I set out to do. Do I need this title by my name for the rest of my life to to show that I'm significant, that I mean something? Is this title me or am I significant because of who God created me to be? And this is what led the news. I said this exactly. My identity is not in a crown. It's not in a car. It's not in money. It's not in the title of Miss Colorado. My identity is in myself and in my faith in God. I am Gina before I'm Miss Colorado, but I will always be grateful for this experience. Peace out. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> Yeah, and I I share that like with my cheerleaders I coach now. I I share this when I go out and speak because our identity is not wrapped up in what we achieve or our titles. Um we are significant and unique because that's how God created us. And if our life is dependent and our identity is dependent on whatever you're setting out to achieve, then what happens when that goes away? I was it, Miss Colorado one day, and then the next day I wasn't. Am you I need less to be significant? About something a lot more than what you achieve or what other people say mm -hmm. about you. It needs to be about character and commitment and integrity exactly. and the basics of who you are and the human you're designed to be, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you meet this guy and you marry him. Where's that happen? Oh, that was way later. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well all right. Well, what am I missing sure. in the middle? Well. Not a lot. A, a, a good single life, actually. A what? <laughs> a good single life. Yeah. Okay. So you have a great the... single life. Well, yeah. Well, I went into nonprofit work. And... You're kind of Miss Colorado. So you got but this I'm life really in not. Colorado. Not you're sixth generation Miss Colorado. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that's all going. And I, I I think I read you went to work for a nonprofit, right? I Friends did. First Friends or first. something. Mm -hmm. What I, is Friends First? We um, we did youth mentoring programs Got for students. So we trained high school students to mentor middle school students. Oh, that's cool. We had a national conference, and um, I was there until 2011. That afforded me the opportunity to go and speak. At school assemblies, I did a lot of things with different states, um, Department of Education, and was able to do a lot of traveling and be able to see a lot of things. So it was really fun. But so life's good. So then I get asked to speak at a school. 
And my future, is this in Colorado? Again? In Colorado. All right. And my future husband was sitting in the audience, and he wasn't a high school student. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> But he was the athletic director at the school, and the principal introduced us. And um, I thought it was kind of cute, but he will always say this, that I was very professional. I just kind of shook his hand and didn't give him any kind of, like, look or anything, but... Did he give you a kind of look? I think so. So he was he's athletic director. Does he also coach? Yes. Football? football yes. Uh, that's what we're talking he's about. Now we're football, getting down basketball. to the important stuff. A football coach. He he was he coached volleyball for a year. A season. Volleyball. Yeah, he knew nothing about it. I, I was about to say he's a great motivator. Nobody like, would want me to coach volleyball. It would be like that lasso show. What's that like Ted Lasso or something? The guy, the football coach goes over to Europe to coach soccer. And he's just a complete yeah. disaster. That'd be me coaching volleyball. Yeah. yeah, but they had nobody to coach it. So that was just one season. Um, obviously, they moved on to somebody else. But um, yeah, he coaches football, basketball. And so he's the athletic director, and they had just started a cheer program. So I don't know at what school or where the athletic director actually cares about the cheer program, where they would call me and say, hey, <laughs> uh. do you want to come help our cheerleaders? Never been called by an athletic director about that. Yeah, but um, I knew what he was up to. So that, that he, <laughs> Rob, did did he not think anybody saw right through that? <laughs> hey, you want to come help with the cheerleaders? And oh, by the way, I'll be here when you show yeah. up. Kind yeah, of thing. I know. Well, he was coaching basketball, and I went. <laughs> the cheerleaders are shoved in a hallway to practice. <laughs> How long did you date? Um, not very long, actually. Uh, at that point, I was twenty-eight. He was thirty-two or maybe 31 at the time. And neither one of us had been dating anyone seriously for quite a, a while. Like we were just living our lives right. and just working with students. And so I just really felt like, well, I didn't want to date right away. I just wanted to be friends, friends first where I worked. <laughs> but he's like, I'll, he's like, I'll wait. But it's not like he was selling widgets or something and his colleagues were like, oh, he's a great guy. I mean, I had parents coming up to me saying things like, he's God's gift to this school. He's a great guy. He's a yeah, good Yeah, so I felt like they were unsolicited. I mean, he might have slipped him money sometime when I didn't realize it to say good things about me, about himself. But yeah, then we just really just knew that this was right. So we got married about 10 months after we met. Really? Yes. Yes. Wow. Mainly because of football. Because yeah, well, you, you, I'm going to tell you something. We had to get married before the season, well, or we'd have to wait. And I wanted to get married. You're talking to a guy who got married when he was a football coach. I met Lisa um, after the third game of the season, and we had to get married before spring practice started. And plus, I was a football coach, and I was broke and had no money. And that was when we could the, the we got married at, at December seventeenth around Christmas time because they didn't have to buy any flowers because the church was already decorated oh, with oh, all the Christmas stuff. I should have done that. Oh, oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. I just oh, to be worn Christmas outside. Christmas marriages in a church are like a bargain, um, and everybody's festive anyway. So it was great, and that's when I had to get married to be able to go on a honeymoon because it was Christmas break. I couldn't take off anywhere else because I had. Coaching a school going on. So I absolutely get how you kind of fit it in when you're a coach. Oh, exactly. So we'd gotten married on August 7th, 
but um, because at the time everything started a little later. Yeah, but, but it's but bumped up, and now soon. it's well, yeah. Now now all the practices are starting even earlier. So we had decided uh, almost two years ago to renew our vows, but we picked a different date. Um, July 7th, because it didn't interfere with our sports, <laughs> cheer or football. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we picked July 7th. <laughs> that's really, that's a cool story. So you're now 28. You've, you know, although clearly even today, the death of your father still affects you, but you've coped, you moved on. Your sister obviously still affects you. And, but you've coped, you've moved on um dealing with it and you get married and you you're starting a family and you've got your college degree and you're just kind of starting this normal life and mm -hmm. football coach guy husband and and you get pregnant yes how long had you been married we were married three years by that point got it mm -hmm. so three years gotten through the newlywed thing i mean Sounds like the natural progression of things, mm -hmm. right? You meet, you build your life together, you're happy, and you get pregnant. And you wanted a family, and yes. he wanted a family, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, you're all ginned up and excited to have a baby. Yes. So I read where you said you found out the gender and you started buying stuff, I guess, for the nursery. Is that right? Mm -hmm. We went in for the 20 week ultrasound and the baby wasn't really moving. And she actually didn't really say much, but she said, You're having a boy. She, the OB? The, yes. Okay. Well, it wasn't the OB. It was, it was an ultrasound technician. Oh, the ultrasound person. Okay. So she couldn't tell us much, but I'm newly pregnant, first pregnancy. You don't, you don't know anything. Yeah, like, I don't know anything about this. All I knew was that you had to drink a ton of water, and I had to go to the bathroom, and she actually let me because she wanted to see if the baby would move, but the baby wasn't really Did moving. Did she tell you that? Yeah, she said, oh, I think I think he's just sleeping, and his heart was beating, and the heart was fine, so we just thought he was sleeping, and our OB was out of town, and then I went to one of the youth conferences that my previous nonprofit, and I, I received a phone call from my OB and he said, we need you to come back in to see a perinatologist. Uh, it looks like your baby may not have kidneys. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Um, what it, something that had happened just the day before I was, um, I was getting ready and I had this overwhelming feeling come over me that said, um, this baby will not be with you next year. How, why did and you I, have that feeling? I don't know because I told my husband, I, you know, sometimes you have bad thoughts and you just keep it to yourself. But I said, you, now in fairness, mm-hmm. You suddenly lost a father when you were young, and that, even though you move on and cope, that leaves that that leaves a, a trauma and a scar and an emotional reaction that you never really walk away from. And you've lost a sister traumatically mm-hmm. in ways that most of us will never understand or comprehend. Is it possible that that you just had a sense of dread because you'd experienced so much loss in your life? No, I, because I didn't know about babies dying. I didn't know about that. And I, you just really had a sense that the baby was, I, okay. I felt like God was warning me because he knows that like anyone who knows me now, I don't want huge surprises because especially shocking things. It doesn't matter if I'm going in for dental work. I'm like, tell me exactly when you put it, you're putting the shot in. Like, I, I want to know. Or like anytime I'm getting blood work or anything, I'm like, you need to tell me when you're doing it. There's, like, there's no doubt that's a condition and, of the and, trauma you experienced as a young person. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm like, and tell me it's going to hurt. Like, don't sugarcoat it. Like, you tell me exactly what this procedure will feel like. So the day before that had happened, and then we get a call. So. I'm trying to read in the book what to expect when not expecting. And there's like a half page on, oh, sometimes babies die or sometimes there's problems. And there's like a half page. And um, it said something about the kidneys, but then it said, oh, they could be born with clubbed feet. And I'm like, okay. So we go in to. Time out. 
mm-hmm. kidneys can make club feet? I don't know. Like, you, that's, oh, I mean, that's how that's ridiculous good, that sorry, part of the I book got, is. I got it. Okay. I would, <laughs> sorry, but that just took yeah, me to how in the I, world does that happen? But been, okay, I got it's it. Been You're just saying all, it. It they give you all this list of things that can happen to babies, and it, it it's a horrible Knowing list. what I know now, and we'll get to the rest of the story, it's just like, thank you. This book is not meant for people who have complications in their pregnancy. There's other books like A Gift of Time I'll just recommend, but there's other books for people who have complications in their pregnancies. But so we go to the perinatologist and he said, your baby doesn't have kidneys, which basically means uh, I have no amniotic fluid. So the mom produces the amniotic fluid, the baby drinks it, and then they basically pee it out and then they drink it and pee it out. And that's what develops the lungs. Oh, so things that, you know, you don't know, you don't learn that in school. And so if they don't have kidneys, that function's not it, happening. It's not happening. And so it's mainly lung development isn't happening. And he said, you know, your baby's breech, your baby will never turn. And he said, you know, most women, and I said, don't say it. And he said, what did you think I was going to say? And I said, um, if you're telling me to terminate the pregnancy, I won't do that. And... um He's like, well, you're going to be walking around pregnant and everyone's going to be asking like what, you know, when are you due? And he said, and then this baby's breech. So you'll have to have a C-section and you'll always have to have C-sections. And he was like scaring me into it. And I, I just knew that I'm not going to make any decisions because what if they're wrong or what if a miracle would happen? So we decided that we would carry the baby and he was right in the sense that people were asking, oh, when are you new? And I'd have to buy maternity clothes. And uh, I just never went up to the register anymore. I had my husband do that so they wouldn't talk to me about it. And I uh, just tried to carry on as best I could. So at that point, I'm 22 weeks into the pregnancy. And then um, we were told that babies with this condition usually go in, you go into labor mid 30 weeks into the pregnancy. And I'm doing math. 30 so weeks is seven and a half months. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 28. Uh, yeah. Okay. Eight, yeah. Probably. Yeah. It'd be about eight months actually. Okay. So I was due December 5th, but then I went into labor on October 25th. So, um, I was, so I went into labor and, um, I had heard about an organization called now I lay me down to sleep. And they provide remembrance portraits to parents experiencing the death of a baby. And there's photographers who volunteer their time and go into hospitals who capture the only moments parents spend with their babies. And a friend had told me about them. And this was back in 2007. The organization was founded in 2005. And at first I thought, why would you do that? But I went to the website and saw these gorgeous photographs. And I thought I should at least get it done because if I don't have to look at them, but this will be my only opportunity. Can and, I interrupt you for a sure. second? Sure. I, um, when I first started View, I went to Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, and I read about the fact that this is volunteer photographers going into one of the most desperate, sad times of people they don't even know lives and sucking it up and providing pictures for folks who were 
in a very traumatic, sad situation, which to me is phenomenal that it is. people would volunteer to do that. I also found out that it is the largest volunteer organization for photography in the world. Isn't mm-hmm. that right? Is that stat about right? I think that's right. I think so. Yeah, I think I that's right. I'm that. pretty sure okay. that's right. <clears throat> so I want to say that first. And I don't mean this any other way, except I just, I want to tell you, when when I first heard that, I couldn't help but think, is that appropriate? And I don't want you to take that wrong, but I'm just, my first blush mm-hmm. was, you're, 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 you're taking a picture of a passed away infant. Mm-hmm. And... It on the surface when you first hear it, I couldn't help but kind of recoil from that and think, "Oh my gosh, how do you, how do you do that? And how does a volunteer who doesn't even know these people they're taking these pictures of?" I I struggled with it mm-hmm. until I heard. And read some of your words. So right now, when people hear what you've said, before they've heard anything else, they've heard that you carried a child that had a almost no percent chance of survival, mm-hmm. that your husband went to buy maternity clothes at the counter because you just couldn't deal with the questions anymore, which I don't know how he dealt with the questions because I'm sure somebody said, oh, is your wife pregnant? Are you excited? Everything else. And he had to suck it up. And the pain of that, but you guys as a couple making the decision to hold on that pregnancy because maybe the doctors could be wrong, which I find heroic that you would put yourself through that on the off chance that your child may survive. And then preparing and and at the at the advent of the birth and the child's death to take pictures of that moment which is to me documenting pain that's how i f- felt it when i heard it but once i read more it was very much the opposite mm-hmm. and but as our listeners are hearing it, I got to believe many of them are going, oh, my gosh, how do you – that's almost ghoulish. But I want you to tell our listeners why I and anybody thinking that when they hear this story are so dead wrong. Sure. Well, I think sharing a little bit more of my story, too, would help really answer that question. I think so, too. Um, I do want to back up a bit and just say that I know what it's like to be in that room with the doctor and they're encouraging, you know, termination. And I know that there are many, many parents who have made that decision. And I just want to make sure that they know, you know, they needed to make whatever the best decision was for them. I also know what it's like to sit there and be pressured to do it. So, the choice I made is not to um, not value other people's choices, what they made. Um, I just, I wanted to acknowledge that for sure. It was just the best choice for you. It was the best choice for me. but it's, Personally. 
Exactly. And no exactly. stones thrown on other exactly. people's choices. Because I was freaked out. He scared me. And so I completely understand why some people would go a different route than me. So I do want to say that. Um, Which we, I think is important, and I appreciate you saying mm-hmm. that. Nobody needs to feel guilty about decisions they've had to make in horrifically traumatic situations, mm-hmm. and you're not casting stones. You're saying that was the That's best decision for you and Rob mm-hmm. at the time. Exactly, exactly. And so um, David came on October 25th, 2007, and we had a photographer capture our time with him, and we got the pictures, and they were and still are the best gift we could have been given. They are treasured. Um, Having those photographs doesn't document death. It captures love. It documents David's existence, that he existed. He was stillborn. He never received a birth certificate, but he existed. He lived. He lived inside of me. And so for the parents who lose a baby, whether they're stillborn or they die shortly after birth, a lot of times people don't fully understand the magnitude, but these photographs absolutely show like this baby was real. Uh, This baby was mine. He had dark curly hair, chubby cheeks, and we wouldn't have known that if we would have chosen other paths. And those photographs will always be my most treasured possession. We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, 
not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. I can't tell you how many family or how many parents have reached out to Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep who lost babies decades ago, who they weren't even allowed to hold their baby. And just seeing those photographs helps them with their healing, even though they don't have those photographs. Seeing David's photographs. David's or other babies. other babies. Um, Just seeing those helps them heal from just a different time when the babies were swept away. But it's actually, if you look at the history of photography, typically because it was so expensive, there's a whole collection of postmortem photography from the late 1800s, early 1900s. And people usually receive photographs after someone died. Right. I know. I can remember the old Western photographs of of loved ones in caskets. Mm -hmm. I can remember that. Or they they would kind of set them up as if they were alive. There's a whole history and information about that. But then when people weren't, I don't know what years it would have been, but people used to prepare bodies for burial in their homes. That's why it's called a parlor. But then when it started moving to the hospitals, then death was treated very differently. And so then you have these moms losing babies. And um, I've seen these postmortem photography sessions with babies, like, you know, even like two-year-olds who die. And it's, I think that really changed how we view death. And so um, really having these photographs are the best thing. And I we even have a board member at Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep who said, um, he's like, at first I thought it was morbid. Like, why would I do something like that? And those are, those photographs are the best gift that he could have been given. If- tell, tell me about, if you have any recollection of it, but I want to know about the photographer. I want to know about the person who took your, who took David's pictures with mm-hmm. you and Rob. Sure. Who, who, how? I'm try- I'm no photographer. I can't even operate the the camera on my phone. I don't even know how to operate my phone on an airplane. I don't I can like answer it. That's as far as my phone mm-hmm. operations go. Okay, I can't take pictures. But even if I was a photographer, I would think I would have a huge lump in my throat and some reticence and anxiety over going in to two parents, I guess, hospital room Mm -hmm. with a child. And how do you do that? What was that like? What was that experience for you from that you could tell from that photographer's perspective? How did that go? Well, it was a beautiful experience. And it's okay if I share now. I am now the CEO of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. You just ruined the whole thing. I, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> we, we will I, get to how that happened. We will. Because there's will, so I much think more to this story. I'd like uh, Sandy Putsch is one of the founders of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And I, so that I want to speak to my personal experience, but this is, every, I want to talk about every photographer 
that we have with this organization. Yeah. Um, I'll be at photography conventions and they're like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I'd be too emotional. Right. And, you know, Sandy, she had tears in her eyes during the session. And that made me know she cared. Um, and so photographers that volunteer with this organization have such heart and compassion. But typically what happens is they go into the room and they have a job to do. They have a skill, they have a talent of photography, and they know that this is the best thing they can do with their camera. We hear that over and over and over from our, our volunteer photographers, that they can, as a volunteer photographer, they can go in and give parents their most prized possession. Who wouldn't do that? If you have a talent of photography, who wouldn't go and do something that would very dramatically change the healing journey for a family to have those photographs? And we have many photographers that say um, if they did not photograph any other type of photography, they would still always volunteer with Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep because it's that powerful. So Oftentimes, you know, you think about, oh, that would be hard to go in to those sessions. But our photographers just take their camera as kind of like um, kind of a shield or a barrier. And they're, they're in there getting a job done. It's typically after the session, it'll hit them. Or when they're looking at the images and doing the retouching, that's when it hits them. And um, but Gina, it's, it's a job's one thing. These folks are volunteering to do this. They are. That is phenomenal. Today. They are. Yeah. And it well, blows me away. <laughs> who was your photographer? Uh, it was Sandy Putsch, who's one of the founders. And that's a Sandy male, female? A female. Female. Yes. Um, and how did she present herself when she came in? And well, had you met her prior? I, I did meet her prior. That never really happens. Um, Got it. This was a kind of a different situation because... Hey, let's go back to my time, my journalism time at Colorado State. <laughs> the executive director of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep happened to be in the journalism program with me and at Campus TV. Of course. So when I called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, Jessica called me back and she said, Is this Gina Wagle? And my last name is Harris now. And I'm like, How do you know that's me? <laughs> but uh, she knew my voice. And uh, so we made the connection and she had been working at a Denver TV station, but she just wanted to change a pace and she was running the organization. So she asked me if I would do some interviews with the LA Times and uh, Nine News in Denver. And so at first I, I didn't know if I wanted this story all over, but I thought, what are the odds that I know Jessica and I know she's not going to beat me to the wolves with the media. Hmm. And so we did the story. So we had the, I had the opportunity to meet Sandy, but that's never really the case. With families who lose a baby, typically they don't know about the organization ahead of time. They're in the hospital delivering the baby, and that's when the nurse will talk to them about, now I lay me down to sleep, and then dispatch a photographer to come and photograph the so baby. So they're on call. Yes. Yes. So a photographer sitting at home, and mm -hmm. they're part of the – there's 1,700 photographers volunteering for now I'll lay me down to sleep, I understand. Mm -hmm. And so they're on call and 
the traumatic happens and and the hospital calls and says we have a family and they gather up and roll and they don't know and the family doesn't know and this volunteer goes into a family in the midst of all of this and creates photos for the family That's to right. me that is extraordinary it is extraordinary from the family perspective it's also extraordinary from the photographer's perspective and it's extraordinary from now I'll lay me down to sleep's perspective that they're able to volunteer and give to grieving parents, like you've said, their most prized possession, which is a remembrance that this child was real mm-hmm. and lived. Beautiful. Yeah, Amazing. I, I can't thank our photographers enough and it's exactly how you describe it in the u.s alone there are forty thousand babies that are stillborn or die shortly after birth and we serve more than four thousand a year and since the organization started um, we photographed more than seventy thousand babies all by volunteers um and what they do is remarkable it's incredible and it I've been with the organization now. I've known about it for 15 years, but with the organization for almost 12. And I still, it's still just really, um, I don't know if surprises me. It's just, is really meaningful to know what they do. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely amazing what those folks do. And that concludes part one of my conversation with Gina Harris. And I I really hope you'll listen to part two that's now available. This amazing story is, is far from over, guys. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 